to ShimmyCast episode 27, a podcast for fans and dancers of Middle Eastern dance. I'm your host, Anala Rabari. For this week's episode, we have the usual event announcements and answers to the question of the week. We have a review of the DVD, Shake It Up, Exotic Belly Dance Performances, and the article this week is about eyebrow design. Now, I know that's not specifically about belly dancing, but the girls in my troupe uh, have been talking a lot lately about makeup and beauty regiments in regards to performance, and I saw this great article on Salome's website, and I wanted to share it with you guys. The music for this week's show is all from the CD Winter Songs by Kitka, which I thought would be appropriate because we are coming up on the winter season and Christmas. Yes, it, it has snowed here in northwest Arkansas, you guys. Um, Thursday night, rain turned into sleet, turned into hail, turned into sheets of ice. And finally, fluffy snow. <laughs> so we have had our first snow for the season here in Arkansas. And I think probably some of you other guys have had your first snows of the season as well, from what I remember hearing on the weather report. The, you you might hear ice tinkling again. The beverage for this week is mug root beer. We did take out dinner, so. <laughs> um, submissions for the next article contest will be due January 1st at noon Greenwich Mean Time. That's right, you guys have a month left to enter this contest. And you can see the form board for guidelines. So let's get started with answers to the question of the week. So we have answers to do you use a dance name and why. Psych Spirit wrote, I have two names in mind, but don't think I'll be needing it yet. And well, like I've said before, girls, it is never too early to start using your dance name. And it's never too early to start thinking about what it will be. And if you have two names that you're thinking about, you can think about using both of them in combination like I do. Just a suggestion. Take it or leave it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, next, what do you do when you listen to ShimmyCast? First four weeks in Utah says... Work usually. Now that I have an iPod, I listen to my podcast during the slow times at work. Pre-iPod, I was tied to the computer, so I mostly just sat and listened. Jenny in Indiana says, I listen here at my work. So to answer the question of the week, I design automotive advertisements while listening to ShimmyCast. <laughs> I love listening to the music, and sometimes I find the experience relaxing. Sometimes I might not get all I should out of the episodes, so I listen more than once. Keep up the great work. Thanks for all you do. And then I got one more email uh, about listening to the show. My name is Mindy, and I'm in BC, Canada. I listen to ShimmyCast mostly at work. Whenever I'm doing something boring, I put ShimmyCast on my iPod, and it takes me away to Billy Dance World. <laughs> A much nicer place to be than bored at work. Thank you so much, Anala, for creating this podcast. I look forward to it every week. You rock, Mindy. And Sanjula in the Chicago area told me that she listens to her, uh, she listens to ShimmyCast on her MP3 player while she's walking her little dog, Crystal. 
And I just want to thank all of you for those answers. I listen to ShimmyCast just like a regular a regular listener as well. I download it and play it through because it helps me keep track on if something's messed up somewhere in the process of you guys getting it. Usually I listen to it on my MP3 player in the car. I have a little cassette adapter that plugs into it and then it goes into my cassette player in my car. I rarely listen to the radio anymore in the car. I'm I'm almost always listening to podcasts in the car now. Um, and if I'm not doing it then, if I don't listen to it in the car, it's usually probably at my desk at work. I have like one earphone <laughs> plugged in <laughs> while I'm cataloging artifacts at my desk. So a lot of us are listening at work. <laughs> okay, so we have answers to the question, how has belly dance affected your life? And I want to give a little warning that we are going to be talking about some sensitive subjects in these answers, and this may not be appropriate for younger listeners, but as producer of this show, I feel that these are important points for us to discuss, and they're very valid points to discuss, and I feel that we deserve a safe, comfortable place to openly discuss these issues. And I'm proud to let ShimmyCast be that place. Um, if any of my listeners are offended by this and choose not to listen to the program in the future, I respect your decision and I wish you well. And for those of you who are just like, thank you so much. Yes, I'm, I felt this way too, but... I was too embarrassed to say anything. Hopefully, you will come to learn that this is a comfortable place where you can discuss things and not be afraid to voice your opinions. So, how has the dance affected your life? Psych Spirit says, hmm, the only word I can use is that Oriental dance has freed me. Rebecca in Washington, D.C. says, all I can say is that belly dance has probably been one of the more significant things to impact my life in the last few years. And that's including graduating from college, my first job, etc. I knew I loved belly dance from the first day I tried it. And one of the ways it has impacted me is by allowing me to express my creativity easily. I don't have to struggle or work hard to come up with new choreography. It just flows through me. Another way it has impacted me is by allowing me to feel really good about my body. I'm very curvy. And not only do I not mind it anymore, I actually found my own body beautiful and more comfortable in my own skin than ever before. I love to shimmy and show off my hips. The third way that belly dance has impacted me is by allowing me to explore a, nor a new career choice. Almost since the beginning, I've decided that I want to become a professional belly dancer, and I'm absolutely determined to make it happen. I know it'll take work and persistence, but I've made my choice, and I'm going to do what I love. Thank you, Rebecca, for that email. That I found it very inspiring to read your answer, and I was very happy to share it with everybody. So, Essie emailed me. I realized that your show is G-rated, so I will be careful about how I word this. But the number one way belly dancing has changed my life is that my PC muscles are tighter. 
This has greatly improved the relationship I have with my husband. In the bedroom. I'm a slightly out of shape housewife in my 30s, and I can't see myself ever performing, but I have plenty of incentive to continue taking classes. Now, to be clear, my husband hasn't ever seen me dance. I'm just not talking about, I'm just talking about muscle tone here. We had and continue to have a wonderful communicative relationship, even without my belly dancing. I'm only saying that I have found that as an exercise, belly dancing is a great addition to Kegels. Slightly embarrassed, but coming clean, Essie. Well, I think those are all really good answers. I think belly dance has affected me greatly in two ways. One mentally and one physically. Mentally, I have a better outlook on life and myself. Um, that's allowed me to dress in more appropriately fitting clothes rather than trying to hide in my clothes. Um, it has encouraged me to take more notice of my health by, you know, I, I've now become more interested in eating better and exercising more because belly dancing makes me feel better both physically and mentally. I, I just... I'm so much happier now in my life that I've started belly dancing than, I mean, not to say that I was thoroughly depressed before or anything, but, um, it, I just, I'm happier. I don't know how to explain it other than I'm happier. I'm having a lot more fun in my life now. And I admit there might be some other things in my life that are contributing to that, but I think belly dance is also a big part of it. I'm having a lot of fun, um, exploring, the belly dance culture and the, the groups of women that come together to do this and along with learning about all the great food and stuff and, and enjoying delving back into Middle Eastern culture more, which was something I had missed since I graduated from college. So those are some of the ways it's helped me mentally. And then the physical changes that I've noticed, and this is also, I've, I've also noticed this with the help of my doctors, because I've talked, I've been talking to my doctors. Um, I have gained back flexibility that I had lost because of my arthritis um, in the motion of my back and um, my, my legs and stuff. I've gained a lot more um, flexibility in those joints. All of my muscles are more well-toned than before I started dancing. Um, I've gotten sick less often, and I think that has to do with um, the belly dance because I'm exercising more and taking better care of myself because I feel better about myself now. Um, and I've had less joint flare-ups um, because of my arthritis, and I think that's because I have found a form of exercise that's easier for me to do on a regular basis. And so I think that's helps with my arthritis as well. And like Essie, I have experienced the belly dance, the, the benefits belly dance offers for the PC muscles. You know, suddenly my annual exams aren't as uncomfortable as they used to be because I now know how to control those muscles. And I've talked to a number of women who have experienced benefits in being able to control their PC muscles, both during exams and during childbirth. And, you know, a lot of women have found belly dance to be helpful. Um, and these are women who, like, had a child 
before they started belly dancing and then they started belly dancing and then they had their second child and said that they they knew it was a lot easier with their second birth because they knew how to control those muscles better. And I, I think it's important to remind ourselves that these are the foundation of belly dance. Belly dance started as a way for older women in a community to teach the younger women what to do once they were married and what to do once they were in labor. So we should feel no shame in discussing these long-standing benefits of the dance. And we should embrace it and take advantage of it and enjoy it. And now your ShimmyCast news. November 29th through December 10th, the Billy Dance Superstars will be having shows and workshops in Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, and Washington, D.C. November 29th, Intermediate Advanced Veil Workshop with Shahina in Glen Ellen, Illinois. November 29th through December 3rd, Arabesque Dance Company and Orchestra presents ASALA Dance Festival in Toronto, Canada. December 1st, Arabic Beat Show in Seattle, Washington. December 1st, Belly Dance Show at Casa de Luz, Austin, Texas. December 2nd, Baraka Mundi sponsors Zeha Ali of Atlanta's Awalam in Workshop in Hafla, Asheville, North Carolina. December 2nd, Shia is hosting Chicago's Kimahar in workshops and show in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. December 2nd, David in workshop in Austin, Texas. December 2nd through 3rd, homage to Om Kalthum workshops and show in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. December 3rd, Turkish and Egyptian technique in combinations with Dalena, Phoenix, Arizona. December 3rd, Alf Layla Hafla and Talent Show in North Bergen, New Jersey. December 3rd, San Francisco Bay Area Mechtab presents workshops and show with Mesmira in Santa Clara, California. December 6th, beautiful belly work, abs, undulations, and accents with Shahina in Glen Ellen, Illinois. December 8th, Christmas evening event and entertainment party in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. December 9th, Latifa teaches everything you always wanted to know about veils. Millersville, Maryland. December 9th through 10th, Artemis Morat in workshops, Miami, Florida. December 10th, Gothic belly dance workshop with Tempest in San Lindro, California. December 10th, Margot Abdo Adele Workshop on Pop Choreography in Minneapolis, Minnesota. December 13th, Ballet for Belly Dancers with Shahina in Glen Ellen, Illinois. December 17th, a Christmas belly dance party in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. December 17th, Tribal Fusion Fair, San Luis Obispo, California. This has been the Shimmy Cast News for this week. And as always, you can find more information about all of these events on our forum board. 
This week's review is Shake It Up Exotic Belly Dance Performances DVDs, DVD, and it is reviewed by Anala Rabari. This DVD includes 12 performances. The DVD menu includes a chapter listing, dancer bios, a history on belly dance, and a behind-the-scenes section. In my opinion, the dancer bio and dance history sections are all but useless as the font is too small and the color scheme, white text on a multicolored background, is too difficult to read. Which is a shame since you can tell that websites are listed for each performer and the history section was written by Princess Faharna. The behind the scenes section is a music montage to all that goes into making a production. You see the sets being dressed, the cameras being set up, the dancers relaxing before their turn, lighting, costuming, and the dancers taking care of their families who come to the shoot. Um, it, then, it then ends with a nice montage identifying the behind-the-scenes crew members, and there are shots of a birthday party that they had on set for one of the crew members. The performances are introduced with a place marker indicating the dancer's name, song they are performing to, and the artist performing the song. I know I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. I love it when a production does this. I get very annoyed with programs that do not include song and artist information, because what if I like that song and want to get a copy of it? How am I supposed to do that without knowing the title and the artist? Well, there's no problem here. Victoria starts with Kane. Um, for the most part, this was a pretty common Kane routine compared to the others that I've seen. I will say I was surprised that she didn't balance the cane at any time during her performance because that happens a lot around here. And also she had a nice backbend section that I have never seen done with a cane before. So I was pretty surprised about that. Eva Fleming starts by using the Americanized version of the veil and being wrapped up, then using it for a bit and discarding it. Unfortunately, I think this piece suffers from poor lighting choices with the lights constantly changing colors and brightness, which I found to be very distracting to her lovely performance. I was very impressed by her arm carriage and grace. Jemla starts out with a very slow, sultry music and then breaks into a more upbeat song. Again, the flashy nightclub lighting is present. And Suya performed a very lovely routine, which I actually liked better than the ones she did on the Belly Dance Superstar's first solo DVD. She seemed more relaxed and as if she was enjoying what she was doing more in this production. I enjoy watching her because she seems to have more of a flat-footed stance instead of raising her heels off the floor to help achieve moves, which is the style I've learned and the style I teach. I also think she's the best example out there of how to dance with zills, whether you're playing them or not, which she superbly demonstrates here. Adam Vazma Dance Company. This was an interesting number to me. The costuming and dance style are very much folkloric, and it even features a male dancer. However, the music is very much contemporary pop sounding, in my opinion. It reminds me of Greek and Jewish wedding reception dances. The dance itself was very simple, but I found myself wanting to join in with the celebration. Malia's piece I would classify as performance art. She begins by laying on the floor completely covered by her veil and then dances under it for several seconds while doing floor work. 
her costume is unusual and that it looks like a cross between a belly dancer and a ninja. I was impressed with the movement she was able to get out of the larger-than-normal three-yard veil once she came off the floor, though. Khadija's performance I enjoyed the least. I'm fairly confident that this was meant to be a cute little humor spoof piece, but I didn't appreciate it. The dancer comes out wrapped in her veil and proceeds to play a game of peekaboo with her chest. At that point, you notice she's chewing gum, which she will later blow bubbles with. But based on some other movements of little sailor-type kicks and a salute a la Popeye, this has got to be a comedy piece, which I thought lacked humor. Virginia, Jaina, Kaya, and Sadie turn in some nice performances that are about the same caliber as performances that I've seen at my local Hofla's. So Halia performed a lovely routine that had exquisite hand movements in it that were very reminiscent of um, a Hawaiian hula. I liked it because I never thought to incorporate these kind of hand movements into belly dance. And she was wearing a kafta over her costume that she used several times, kind of like a veil, by picking it up close to the knee. And she also used the sleeve in this manner a few times. I, I didn't really like it when she used the sleeve, though, because I, I didn't like the way it changed the look of her costume when she used the sleeve. But I did like the way she used more of the bottom portion of the kafta. There were a number of times throughout the program where the shot would be zoomed out in such a way to cut off the view of the dancer's feet, which I found annoying. But mid-body close-ups were nice, so you could get more detail from the hip movement. I also think this program could have benefited from a better thought-through order of presentation. However, I enjoyed seeing a number of different costume styles that I'm going to steal ideas from. This week's first song is Tech Palette Zernju Zaktoy. It's from the country of Latvia. And please don't make me pronounce that name again. <laughs> and like I said at the top of the show, this is from the album Winter Songs by Kitka.
emails and feedback. And this isn't an email that I'm going to read on air. Um, but I wanted you guys to know, I got an email from uh, Essie, a second email, asking me if I knew of any places to go shop for belly dance supplies in Atlanta, Georgia, because she has a friend who's going there who said that they would pick stuff up for her and bring it back to her. And that got me to thinking. I, I didn't know of anybody off the top of my head, so I just had to do a really quick Google search for her. And um, I found like a the dance society out there in one shop, or at least one troop that was fixing to open a shop that had stuff by appointment. Um, I don't know if any of you other guys have noticed this, or if it's just me and I have terrible luck searching on the internet. I have a horrible time finding like actual established belly dance stores to go to. Like I'll try to get on the like yellow pages on the internet and look for belly dance stores or, you know, I'll just try to Google. But when I'm traveling, I like to try to find out if there are any belly dance stores that I can actually go in and shop at. But I have a horrible time finding them on the internet. Like all this stuff that I find on the internet is more like buy through the internet. It's not come shop at this store. So I'm going to set up a section on the forum board that I want you guys to start posting if you have been to an actual belly dance store, like an actual building with a physical address. I know it may be rare, but there's actually a couple here in Northwest Arkansas that um, I'm going to be putting up and suggesting you go to. But just everyone start posting. If there's belly dance supply stores in your area that people can go to and shop at, let's all start posting that information, like their name and their address and their phone number if you have it, so that when any of us are traveling, we can go to the forum board and see if there's a listing for a store in our location and we can be like, ooh, look, there is a store in Northwest Arkansas that I can go shop for belly dance stuff. <laughs> and maybe we won't have such a hard time figuring out where to go shopping when we want to go in person. So that's going to be on the forum board shortly. And then um, I also got an email from Jenny in Indiana who said, for the 10,000th episode download, or 10,000th download episode, hmm, how about a video of your troupe dancing for us to see? Or another dancer that you'd like to feature? Maybe you could download it from the forums, or it could just go up in our iTunes window. Just a thought. That is a good thought, Jenny, and that's kind of why I was kind of interested to know, like, where people listen to the show and stuff, in case I wanted to do, um a video podcast or what's called an enhanced podcast, which is like a slideshow to the audio. And I've been thinking about this. The enhanced podcasts can be played on regular iPods. So I'm assuming they'll play on other like regular MP3 players that don't have video capabilities. Cause I know they they'll play on iPods without video capabilities. So I think I'm okay there. And, and of course, ever, you can still watch it on your computer if you want to see all the pictures and stuff. The video cast, though, 
that was kind of one of the reasons why I was asking where people listen. Like if you're listening off your computer or if you're listening on an MP3 player, because I was kind of interested to know if that would make it difficult for anybody to access those shows. So I am thinking about that. And I did get some other suggestions for um, the 10,000th download party episode that we're going to do. Um, but I'm going to hold off on telling you what those are because I want it to be a surprise. And probably, I think we'll probably hit the 10,000th download before Christmas. We're over 9,500 right now. So we don't have very far to go. And um, each episode, um, I usually hit about 200 downloads within two weeks of an episode being produced. So um, I think, yeah, I think we'll probably hit it before Christmas. And we're planning a good, good send-off. But if any of you, if anybody else has suggestions of what they'd like to see for the 10,000th download episode go ahead and send those um you can email them to shimmycast at gmail.com you can post them on the forum board if you guys want to discuss it on the forum you know oh what do we want to see for the 10,000th episode you can do that also feel free to send audios and vote for us and leave reviews on itunes and don't forget to sign up on the frapper map because you know you never know when one of these days I might get it in my head that, yeah, we are going to have a meetup somewhere. And I need to know where you guys live. So I need to know where to travel to meet up with you guys. So this week's article is Eyebrow Design by Salome. Manicured eyebrows create a clean, definitive frame for the eyes and can make a dramatic difference in your look and overall expression. If you choose to shape them yourself, follow these guidelines to get the look you're after. Decide what shape you want to achieve before, start, before you start tweezing. Look through magazines or online photo galleries and note brows you admire. Common looks are arched, flat, and rounded brows. Consider which shape is ideal for your features. While you can choose from a variety of designs, beauticians advise to go with the natural flow and refine the shape that already exists. Tip. Before you begin, brush your brows in place with a stiff eyebrow brush or retired toothbrush. Next, use white or beige eyeliner to trace over the hairs you might tweeze. This will give you the loot the illusion that they're gone and you, you can practice with various looks until you like what you see. Preparation. Once you decide on a design, you are ready to begin shaping. Wash your face free of makeup and do not apply lotion. Lotion can cause brow hairs to stick together and you can subsequently overpluck. Stand in front of a well-lit mirror with your hair swept back. Tip. Daylight is preferable tools. Use a pair of tweezers that are sharp with a slanted head. When you tweeze, the head of the tweezers should close tightly together, otherwise it's an ineffective tool. Use an eyebrow brush to smooth the hairs in place. Where to start? Always begin plucking from the nose out towards the ear. Brows are thickest closest to the nose and they will thin out accordingly that way. Typically, 
The brow starts above the edge of your inner eye. If you need an indicator, place a pencil vertically against the side of your nose up to the brow. Mark the spot with a dot of eyeliner. Width, length, and arch. The space between eyebrows should be the same or smaller than the width of your eye. To find your optimal brow length, hold a pencil from your nostril to the outside edge of your eye. The point that the pencil touches your brow is your perfect length. To find the highest part of the arch, hold the pencil parallel to the outside edge of the iris. The first three quarters of the brow should head upward and the final quarter should head downward. Action. Hold skin tautly above the area you will pluck. Select a hair and with a firm tug, pull it out in the direction that it is growing. After plucking a few hairs, stop and evaluate what you have done. Tip. Avoid plucking above the brow unless you want to deal with a 5 o'clock shadow later on. If you notice redness and irritation after you're done, rinse your face with cold water and apply a cold eye mask or washcloth to soothe the skin. You can also apply a dab of hydrocortisone cream. Finishing touches. Use a brow pencil or eyeshadow and a shade closer to your skin tone to define or fill in areas where the hair is sparse. To keep brows in place, sparingly comb on eyebrow gel. Hair gel works as well. And smooth with an eyebrow brush. If you overpluck or are unsatisfied with your work, just wait two weeks and try again. Good luck. So I hope you all enjoyed that article on eyebrow design. When I found it and read it, I was like, oh man, this is really cool. Because I didn't know the whole thing about the using the white eyebrow pencil to color the hairs that you're thinking about plucking because then the it looks like they're gone and then you can tell whether or not you like that shape that you're thinking about plucking. I just, I thought that alone made the article worth it because that was something I had never heard of and maybe I'm ignorant and all of you guys already knew that and are like, duh, and all uh But I didn't and so now I'm really excited because I'm like, oh, I can go play with that now. <laughs> So I wanted to tell you guys what's going on. Our classes have stopped for a while. Our ability of classes, we stopped right before Thanksgiving. And then we won't start up again until February. We've just found that these months, we don't get a lot of students coming in because of the holidays and everything. But right before we stopped classes, we had um, a troop Hofla. And everyone got to invite, you know, the our students were invited and everyone got to invite um, friends and family and it was just a very intimate hofla and our beginning students performed the routine that they learned this semester which was my first troupe choreographed piece um, something it was the first thing that I had choreographed that was not a solo for myself <laughs> And it was to the song Marco Polo by Lorena McKinnett. And I can't tell you guys the experience of 
having choreographed something for a group of people and then having it performed for the first time. It's It's been a couple of weeks now, and I'm still having a hard time finding the words to describe the feeling that it leaves you with. And I hope at some point all of you will be blessed with that experience. There were a few weeks before the Hofla, I stopped in class one time and I didn't dance with the girls. I just watched them dance it. And it was that was the first time I actually sat down and watched what I had choreographed danced. And I admit it, I just became a big baby and actually started to cry a bit because I was just like, oh my God, I created that and they're dancing it. I, I created it and then I taught it to them and now they're dancing it and and it looks really beautiful. And it was very hard for me because I thought it looked really beautiful, but then I was also like, well, I'm the one who did it. So maybe it doesn't look that beautiful. Now, am I being objective? Is that really beautiful? Or do I just think it's beautiful because I'm the one who choreographed it? <laughs> and um, one of my fellow instructors in our troupe, when she first saw it, I was very touched because she just came up to me and she said, Anala, that is like, this routine is just so beautiful. It's, she described it as meditation in motion. And I was just really flattered that she expressed it that way. And then, um, of course, Ryan came to the Hofla and saw all the beginning students perform it and um, the instructors dance with the students and everything. So I didn't actually get to watch them perform at that time. But Ryan watched it and he has seen bits and pieces of the whole thing. Up to that point, he hadn't seen all of it strung together in the whole cohesive thing and it was really funny because he said he was watching it and he was just like wow this is really impressive my wife did that <laughs> my wife made that <laughs> and when he told me that I was like okay what is that supposed to mean you don't think I'm not creative that I can't do that <laughs> and of course that's not what he meant it was just that was the first thing that the the first thing that he has seen me do, like for a large group of people, he's he's seen my solos and stuff like that before, so um, that was pretty pretty phenomenal. That he, I impressed my husband so much. That was a good feeling too. But it was hard to choreograph. I I will not lie. Um, this piece was actually um, a two year process for me to choreograph. And I realized not everybody choreographs the same way. Um, and this particular piece, it, this is the longest that I've ever taken to choreograph anything. Most of my other stuff I um, choreograph for myself. It, you know, I'm done like within a month, if not sooner, when I choreograph solos for myself. But I was being very methodical with this since I knew it was going to be for a group. But that this kind of leads me to my question for next week, which is, do you prefer to choreograph 
or to be taught choreography for a song? Or do you prefer to improvise when you dance? And to answer, you can send an email to shimmycast at gmail.com or go to our forum board at shimmycast.blogspot.com and just send us answers. And as always, you can send us answers to previous questions and we'll read those on air too. And so I'm fixing to play the second music pick of the week for you guys. As I said at the top of the show, these are songs from like a Christmas CD, but they're um, done in a very Eastern Europe kind of way. So I thought you guys might enjoy them. I have currently got in touch with some artists. I've emailed some artists who have some commercial Middle Eastern Christmas CDs out to ask their permission to use their music. And I'll be reviewing one of those next week for my show. And I will also be talking to you guys about a Christmas show that I've been asked to perform at for our veterans hospital here in the area that I'm going to be using uh, Middle Eastern Christmas music for. So I thought this would be really appropriate in case any of you guys are looking for appropriate belly dancing and Christmas music for this season. So this second song is Shehedrik, which is from the country of the Ukraine. I think you guys will probably realize it and know it better as the Ukrainian bell carol. And this is from the album Winter Songs by Kitka. I hope you all enjoy. And until next week, this is Anala Rabari saying shimmy on. again for listening to ShimmyCast. You can leave us feedback at shimmycast@gmail.com, and be sure to visit our website and forum at www.shimmycast.blogspot.com. Remember, the opinions expressed are those of the host and the podcast crew. Thanks again. <laughs>